As we continue to worship together this morning, I ask that you turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10. As we've seen in the past several weeks that uh, God does amazing things for his glory and for the good of his people and that the good news of his goodness would spread throughout the nations. We see this uh, throughout the Bible and the Old Testament and the New Testament in our lives today. And as we've been tracking along in Deuteronomy, we see that God uh, redeemed his people from bondage. He, he freed them from bondage to lead them to dwell in a new land where they could thrive in a new identity and a new way of living. And along the way, they rebelled. Along the way, they uh, disbelieved, distrusted the Lord, and uh, that led to rebellion, idolatry. But we see that through it all, that God is good to his people. God maintains his goodness, maintains uh, making good on his promises, and still does amazing things for his glory and for the good of his people. So today, as we look at Deuteronomy 10, we see that, that God renews his broken people. Not only had he freed them, redeemed them, but he renews the covenant relationship that was broken because of their rebellion. And we see that in this story, we find uh, a story that we can connect to as those who also... Um, rebel and can be renewed in Christ. So uh, before we dive in, let me pray uh, and then we'll look at Deuteronomy 10. Father God in heaven, we thank you that you are a good and holy God. Lord, that you show your goodness to your people throughout generations. And uh, Lord, that we could gather this morning and worship as we worship through singing, through prayer, through communion, through fellowship, and now through the uh, reading and preaching of your word. God, I pray that you would speak, um, God, through your word by your spirit to our hearts and minds. Lord, that you would open our minds to understand your scriptures, that you would open our hearts to receive the gospel. God, that by your spirit you would transform us as your people to be more like your son, Jesus. God, in so doing, I pray that you get great glory, that we get great joy, and that the good news of Christ would advance through our lives from this city to the nations. We ask in Christ Jesus' good and holy name. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 10. At that time, the Lord said to me, Cut for yourselves two tablets of stone like the first, and come up to me on the mountain and make an ark of wood. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets that you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. So I made an ark of acacia wood and cut two tablets of stone like the first and went up the mountain with two tablets in my hand. And he wrote on the tablets in the same writing as before the Ten Commandments that the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain out of the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me. And I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark that I made. And there they are as the Lord commanded me. The people from Israel journeyed from Beeroth, Benajakin, and Morsera. And there Aaron died and he was buried. And his son Eleazar ministered as priest in his place. And from there they journeyed to Gagada, and from Gagada to Jethbatha, a land with brooks of water. And at that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord to stand before the Lord to minister to him and to bless him in his name to this day. Therefore Levi has no portion or inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is his inheritance, as the Lord your God said to him. I myself stayed on the mountain, as at the first time, forty days and forty nights, and the Lord listened to me at this time also. The Lord was unwilling to destroy you, and the Lord said to me, Arise, go on your journey at the head of the people, that they may go in and possess the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 12. And now, Israel, 
What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes that the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold to the excuse me, behold to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart and love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them and above all peoples as you are this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great and mighty and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, seventy persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of the heaven. This is God's word. Friends, this morning we're looking to answer the question, what does it mean to live as redeemed and renewed people? We've seen that God redeemed his people. And in verse in chapter 9, they rebelled. Uh, they turned their hearts from the Lord and worshipped an idol. And we see that Moses broke the stone tablets of the covenant representing the broken relationship that man had now caused with their God. Chapter 10 has some good news in it, though. You see that God did not destroy his people in their rebellion, but rather renews the covenant with them. The beginning of chapter 10 tells that story how Moses goes back up the mountain, uh, gets some new stone tablets that the Lord writes the words of the covenant on for them, showing that, hey, God has taken the initiative. God is making good on his promises despite his people's rebellion and willingness to break relationship. But then the second half of the, cha- second half of the chapter moves into responsibilities of a renewed relationship with the Lord. You see... What happens is, is God says, hey, look, I'm not going to let this relationship stay broken. I mean, you've rebelled against me, even though I've done these great things from you. you. You were in bondage. I set you free. And then what do you do with that freedom? You rebel. But I'm not letting you go. God chases down his people, says, I, I am renewing this covenant with you. But like every relationship, there are responsibilities on both parties. You see, God says, look, there are things I require of you, not so that we can have relationship, but because we do. Not so that you can get into my good graces, but because I have saved you by my grace, and I want to have relationship with you. And so some things we see here today uh, apply not only to Israel and the covenant they had with God, but apply to you and I today as Christians. If you are a Christian, if you are in the new covenant through Christ relating to God and each other, we have responsibility. We have a part to play in the health of the relationship. So what I want us to see today is what it means to live as renewed people, as we see outlined in these verses today. Now, I just have to say that Deuteronomy is a very big, thick, deep book. And we're covering broad sections of it at a time. So I know that some of you are like, how are we covering all of chapter 10 today? 
it's an overview, but we're going to camp out on a couple key verses. And I hope that this is just the beginning of deeper study for you. I encourage you to, to read and meditate and study and research things online. And, and whatever I can do to help you with that, let me know. So I know that we're covering broad areas of this book, but my hope is that it will give us an insight to how Deuteronomy points us to Jesus, points us to Christ. So what, what I want us to do is, is look at this. What does it mean to live as renewed people? We see that that means that we are to walk in obedience, motivated by God's goodness and seeking to bless others. That's what we're going to see in, in these verses today, is that walking as renewed people, living as renewed people means that we, we walk out, we live our lives in obedience to the Lord, motivated by His goodness, and seeking to bless others. I think that Scripture outlines that very clearly here. Uh, look at verses 12 and 13. So God, God renews a covenant relationship with His people. He just does that because He is a good God. He's making good on His promises, even though His people had rebelled. In verse 12, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good. Very important verse, verses in Scripture. In fact, this comes, uh, this theme is, is played out in the prophets and even in the words of Jesus in the Gospels. But we have to see that living as renewed people means that we walk in obedience to the Lord. Now, I love how Moses writes this out here, speaking on behalf of the Lord. He doesn't say, hey, um, if you want God to be your God, you better follow him and serve him and love him and walk in all his ways. Does he say that? No, he says, the Lord your God. That God's lordness over his people is already there. Obedience is not a means to gain God's favor. It is an act of obedience is an act of faith because of God's favor on his people. Are you with me? That's why Moses says, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He's the Lord. He's your God. That's established. God has made his godness known to you. God has made his lordness known to you. He is your God. He is your Lord. That is secure. That's something he initiates. That's something he does. That's not something we do in order to earn it from him. It's something God does. In fact, we see uh, even down in, in verse 14, it says, Behold, the Lord your God belong, uh, behold, to the Lord your God belongs heaven and the heaven of heavens and the earth and all that is in it. I mean, God, God is God. Everything belongs to him. Everything belongs to God. He created everything out of nothing. It's all his. He is Lord over his people because he has chosen to make a covenant relationship with them. And even though his people break that, he renews it. He initiates. He does it. Why? Because he's a good God. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He makes good on his promises. In fact, even down in verse 22, I just love this little nugget of just extra truth, just like icing on the cake. He says, hey, your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of the heavens. Now, we can't gloss over that sentence because we're like, what does that mean? That just means I had a lot of people. No, that statement is actually a throwback statement back into Genesis of God's promise to Abraham and God's promise to Isaac. 
and to Jacob. And it's a resounding theme of God promising to bless his people. And this is God's, uh, this is Moses showing a glimpse of God making good on his promise. Hey, God, generations before said you will be as numerous as the stars of the heaven. Look around. You are numerous as the stars of the heaven. God is making good on his promises. So to live life as renewed people means we walk in obedience. And that first comes because God is God. He is our Lord. He does that for us. But there are responsibilities that happen because of that. Look at, he outlines it this way. He says that we are to, uh, God's people are to fear to fear the Lord, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve him, and to keep the commandments. Right? And so that's a lot of responses. Five things there that, that are laid out for God's people. Fear the Lord. That means to worship, to, to reverence. It means to uh, be the center focal point of your life. Now, we saw last week that, that any time rebellion happens and idols emerge, that we fill our hearts with something other than God, that something occupies our mind's attention and heart's affection. This should be God, but an idol is something that comes in and takes that. It could be money, it could be status, it could be fame, fortune, it could be uh, a relationship other than God. We see in Deuteronomy 9 that God's people had fashioned an idol out of their own hands, and they were in, in a sense saying, we trust what we can do more than we trust what God can do or God has done. So fear, worship, what is the center focal point of your life? If we are living as renewed people, trusting God to be God, trusting the Lord to be the Lord, we will fear the Lord, our God. We will worship him, reverence him, that he will be the center of our lives. It's an act of faith. It's an act of trust. Living as renewed people means walking in obedience, fearing the Lord, worshiping Him, also walking in His ways. That means it's an ongoing way of life. What are you pursuing with your life? Are you walking in the ways of the Lord or walking in the ways of your own decisions? Walking in the ways of your culture? For God's people, they were journeying from Egypt where they had been set free from bondage, journeying to a land of promise. This took a couple decades and was littered with times of uh, rebellion and doubt and fear and pride and brokenness. And in the midst of that, God says, hey, don't adopt a spirit of fear. Don't adopt a spirit of pride. Don't adopt the spirits of the cultures around you, but rather stay the course. Walk in my ways. Pursue me. And pursue how I've chosen you to live. Scripture says also God's people living as renewed people are to love the Lord. The center point of all affection and attention to serve the Lord. I love that statement there because often we just think that means to do something for God. Like right here scripture says, hey, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You will keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But in the middle of all of that says to serve the Lord. To serve him. Now for you and I, we can say, well, that just means God wants me to volunteer at something, so I'm just going to go volunteer at something. Or maybe God wants me to you know, give him 10% of my money. Or maybe God wants me to show up at this event. Now, the biblical word for serve here carries with it a weight of identity. In fact, it's related to the word bondservant. It's, it's meaning your identity is wrapped up in this relationship. Therefore, these actions come out of it. Think about wh- what Israel may have been thinking here. 
I mean, for generations they had been enslaved. Their whole identity for a couple generations had been wrapped up in being in bondage in Egypt. That was their identity. They were Egyptian slaves. And God set them free and says, that is no longer your identity. Your identity is that I have bought you. I have bought you to set you free. You belong to me. I am your God. I am your Lord. Therefore, serve me. It's not just do actions. It is live life a certain way because of your identity as a bond servant, meaning that you, you belong to the Lord, your God. Out of that comes fear, worship, walking, loving, serving, and keeping the commandments, observing, regarding them, focusing on living a life that honors the Lord because of who He is and what He's done. So, First and foremost, living as renewed people means walking in obedience to the Lord, what the Lord requires. Not so that you can get into His good graces, but because you are a recipient of His good grace. And this rings certainly true for you and I today in Christ. This points us to Jesus because we say, look, we can't, we can't worship in all purity. We can't walk in total faith all the time. We can't love with pure love. We cannot serve well. We cannot keep all of God's commandments. We break them constantly. Where does that leave us? We look to Christ as the author and perfecter of our faith. We look to Jesus who kept all commandments, who never broke the commandments of worshiping and walking and loving and serving, that he uh, was the perfect worshiper of God, the perfect servant of God, the perfect lover of God and walker of his ways. But the good news for you and I that Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He is a new creation. You are renewed in Christ. Just as God renews a covenant with his people Israel and says, because I've renewed this relationship with you, I expect life to look this way. In Christ, we are renewed. Where does that leave me and you today? Maybe you're in here today thinking, well... Um, Jeremy, (laughs) I started off as a Christian, did pretty good for a while, then I blew it. In Christ, you are a new creation. You are being renewed. Life is different for you now. Maybe you're here today saying, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm questioning my faith. I'm questioning my spirituality. Maybe I'm exploring different philosophies and whatever. Friends, let me tell you, any other philosophy out there, any other religion out there will say, hey, if you want to be in good with God, you better fear, walk, love, serve, and keep. And if you can do those five things, then maybe you can get in good with God. Friends, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that God is your God. The Lord is your Lord. Now, because of that good news, because of the fact that you are a new creation in Christ, therefore... Fear, walk, love, serve, keep. You with me? We're going to connect some more dots here. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 11, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So friends, if we're going to assess what it means to live life as a renewed people, 
What it means to walk in obedience, what the Lord requires of us. We have to first see that God is God, that the Lord is Lord, that we are new creations in Christ. And out of that comes steps of obedience to reflect the gospel as we fear, walk, love, serve, and keep. But track along with me because secondly, living life as a renewed people means that we are motivated by God's goodness. Not fear, not pride, but God's goodness. Look at verses 15 through 17. Yet the Lord set his heart and love on your fathers and shows their offspring after them and above all peoples as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. Wow. I, 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 love, I love that. You see, Moses gives instruction to the people. Look, Israel, God is your God. He's your Lord. Now live this way. However, let me just remind you that God owns everything, the heavens, the earth, and it's because God set his heart and love on your forefathers, and he chose their offspring. Now, you may be in this room saying, well, wait a second, I'm not Jewish, I'm not a descendant of Israel, what does that mean? Friends, the good news is that the gospel, all the scripture points us to show that that Jesus, that in Christ we are adopted into this family, that in Christ, Jesus makes good on the covenant of God for everyone who is in Christ, who everyone who believes and follows the Lord Jesus. That means that, that this promise is good for you and I today, that we are adopted into the family of God, that God who owns heaven and earth, that the Lord set his heart and love on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in Israel and has chosen their offspring. You may not be a physical offspring of Israel, but in Christ you are a spiritual offspring. I mean, there, there is... Great theological writing to just display that beautiful fact that you and I are, I mean, right down to the children's ministry. You you ever sing the song, Father Abraham, have many sons? I am one of them, and so are you. Well, you know, unless you're, you know, Jewish, then you're not physically a descendant of Abraham. Right. But we sing that song because it's a spiritual truth that in Christ we are adopted into the family of God. So, so this means that the Lord has set his heart and love on his people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel chose their offspring after them, that, that all of Israel, but also you and I who were adopted by Jesus into the family of God. I just, I just love that. I mean, to me, this changes everything about Scripture. To me, this changes everything about how I even understand this story. I mean, right, that God's not saying, hey, you broke relationship, now you better obey, and then maybe... I mean, it even says God takes no bribe. He, you can't bargain and bribe God because he's saying, what, what in the world can you offer me? I own the heavens, I own the earth. What can you give me that can surpass my grace? Nothing. I don't care how good your resume is. There's nothing we can do to top God's grace, to top his almightiness, to top his awesomeness. To think that God set his heart to love his people. That blows my mind. He set his heart to love Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Israel. He set his heart to love his son, Jesus. And through Jesus, he set his heart to love you. 
to love me, to love us. And there's nothing we can do to bribe him or impress him or to gain acceptance. And this is what I love that is so contradictory to every culture of the day and scripture, to every spiritual, philosophical, or religious belief in our day, is that we are typically motivated, typically, maybe, let's just two categories today. There's always several subcategories, but we'll do two. We're typically motivated by fear or pride when it comes to matters of faith especially, right? What I mean by that is we can say, well, I don't want God to be mad at me, and I don't want to go to hell, so I'll go to church today. Depending on what church, never mind. I'm not going to make a joke. That's not funny. How many of you are operating in fear? Saying, you don't know what my life looked like in college. I'm afraid that when I die, God's going to send me to hell because of what I did in college. What I'm doing right now. Jeremy, you don't know what's going through my mind. You don't know the darkness of my heart. I am so afraid that God will reject me, that God will punish me. I'm so afraid that if I don't walk in his ways and obey every commandment and love and serve, I'm trying to outserve and outlove and outdo everybody around me so that maybe I will gain acceptance by God and by his people. So many people walk in fear and so many people blanket their fear with such, such good religious things. And it's coming from fear, not gospel, not good news, not God's goodness. And friends, if you're in this room today operating in fear, I want you to hear the gospel and don't walk in fear anymore. Don't do good things in hopes that God will accept you or that in hopes that you will be accepted by his people. Don't do good things in order to maybe try to erase and make up from the darkness of your past. There is nothing you can do. You cannot bribe God. You cannot bribe God. But the flip side of that, which I think is far more common in the nicely polished South, is pride. Pride. See, fear says, I want to obey God in hopes to gain acceptance, in hopes to get renewed. Fear says that. Pride says, I obey. Therefore, I'm an accepted. Of course, God accepts me. Because I love and serve better than anyone else. I fear the Lord. I worship harder than everybody else. (laughs) Friends, I think this is why in the midst of Moses writing down this great story says, hey, look, we have to see that God did these amazing things first and foremost. Now, God requires something as you because you are his people. And here's what he requires. But right at the end of that, he says, by the way, I just love how it's written. I wish I I just I love it. What does the Lord require of you? Fear the Lord. Walk in all his ways. Love him. Serve him. Keep the commandments. Verse 14. Wait, behold. Everything in heaven and on earth, everything belongs to the Lord. And he has set his heart to love his people. His heart is already set on loving you. In pride, do not try to beef up your spiritual resume and compare it to the person sitting next to you. And so, of course, God, you know, God has many children, but I'm his favorite. Right? I mean... (laughs) We would never say that, but you might think it. 
I mean, Jesus addresses this through the Gospels all the time of telling great epic stories of people going to worship and say, you know, one guy saying, hey, thank, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that pitiful, pathetic wannabe. Meanwhile, we should be saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. But I love that in Christ we are new creations. We are being renewed. God renews a covenant with Israel and says, because I am your God, you have this new identity as my people. I want you to live life this way, not in fear, not in pride, but motivated by my goodness because I love you. I have loved your people, your family. I love the offspring after you. Verse 16 says, circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Circumcision is, uh, I read a little too much on that this week. I was like, wow, let's just keep going with it. All right, let's just wrap it up. It's one verse here, but it's a, it's a huge theme. It is a, um, a physical symbol of both spiritual and ethnic identity in the Old Testament. Very physical. Kids, ask your parents about it. But I love how Scripture says here, circumcise your heart. Like it's not, it's not just about the physical outward. It's about an attitude of the heart. And we see uh, that the prophets write about this and that in Christ we have new changed hearts. We've been circumcised. An identity marker spiritually is belonging to God in Christ. We'll just leave it at that. So I want us to ask ourselves this, living as renewed people, are we motivated by God's goodness? Or are we motivated by fear and pride? Verse 21 and 22 says, He is your praise, He is your God, He has done great things, great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons. Now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of the heavens, saying, God is just saying, I am making good on my promises to my people. This comes out of my heart. I've set my heart to love my people. And despite their rebellion and foolishness and idolatry and pride and fear, I'm just going to love them. And friends, it's my hope and prayer that you are motivated by the goodness of God to you, not fear and pride. So finally, I want us to look at this point, and uh, I'll try to go quick. So living as renewed people means we walk in obedience as an act of faith and trust in the Lord. That we are motivated by God's goodness, not fear and pride. And finally, that we seek to bless others for our good and to display his glory and goodness to the world. This is important. This is very, very, very important. This is part of what it means to live as renewed people. We can't just say, well, I I know that Jesus saved me, and I want to walk in all his ways and worship and serve and love him, so I'm going to retreat to the mountains and never talk to a non-Christian ever again. Well, you know what? Then you're not really living in renewedness. Because even old school gospel Deuteronomy tells something about what that means. See, verse 13 I'm sorry, verse 18. Talking about God says, He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were once sojourners in the land of Egypt. 
It's a pretty cool word, sojourners. It means like traveler. But it can have implications of being a stranger, being somebody that's not in. Right? And I love that in the midst of all of this, Moses is saying, hey, God is good. God is God. God is the Lord. He owns everything. He has set his heart to love you. Because of that, you're to live this way in worship and service and, and keeping his commandments. And also, I mean, it's all motivated by the goodness of God. And then seek to bless others. Just as God executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and the sojourner, so therefore we are to love the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, right? As we live as renewed people, we are to reflect the goodness of God. If we are motivated by the goodness of God, that's what we will reflect in everything that we do. If you are motivated by fear, you're going to be a fear monger, like holding out a sign saying, turn or burn, baby. Anytime there's some random parade or something, you're going to hold up a sign that says, turn or burn, you know, God's wrath is coming. If you're operating in fear, that's what you will do. If you're operating in pride, you're going to be an isolationist saying, hey, look, I got it together. The rest of y'all can go to hell. We're going to be over here studying our whatever. When I see this in Deuteronomy, my mind is blown because think about what Israel is doing. I mean, Israel had been in bondage in Egypt as slaves. And then God says, I set you free. Now I want you to turn around, motivated by my goodness, and be kind to your enemies. That is a foreign concept in our day and age. There are numerous articles right now that will make me uh, weep if I start talking about some of the stuff I've read this week. But there is a, an, an Egyptian Christian congregation up the street from where we live. And in front of their worship uh, area, they have crosses in memory of the Christian martyrs whose heads were lopped off by barbarians. And in the midst of that heinous action, you, you hear testimonies of their last words being praises to Jesus, and you hear testimonies of their families saying, we mourn the loss of our loved ones, but praise be to God that they are with Him in heaven, and we are praying for those who murdered them. What? Are you kidding me? My heart says, I got the good news. Those guys can go to hell. But the gospel is saying, no, 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 wait. You're to love the sojourner. In fact, Jesus takes this concept so much deeper, right? Because scripture here says, hey, uh, God loves the fatherless, loves the widow, has cared for the sojourner. That can mean just a traveler like Israel is traveling here. But the implications go far deeper into being strangers, not just weird or different, but strangers meaning far off from God. Those who were so far from God. I don't think you can get further from God than ISIS. But look what Jesus says. Scripture says, love your enemies. 
Pray for those who persecute you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Neighbor is not just the guy that lives in the house next to you. In fact, there's a couple different parables that talk about it being a totally ethnically and spiritually different person. You're to love them and serve them. James says, true religion is caring for widows and orphans in their distress. I am convicted by these verses because I struggle with saying, I'm a recipient of God's goodness, therefore I want to walk, love, serve, do whatever the Lord. But then all of a sudden you start talking about loving and serving people that are different. That can be hard for me. I think it can be hard for us as a church. I really do. Because we can easily debate theology and debate philosophy and debate what it means to be this kind of church and that kind of church. And those are all good, great things. I want to be a faithful community that is walking close to the Lord and observing what the Lord requires of us. I want us to be obedient to Scripture. I want to teach that, preach it. I want to teach it to our children. I want to sharpen iron with you. And I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I think if we say we're going to do that, we we can't ignore what it means to reflect God's goodness because he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. Do you know any fatherless people? Do you know any children? I don't care if they're two or 22. Do you know, do you know anybody who doesn't have a dad? That can shape your whole life not having a dad. Maybe your father died. Maybe your father left you. How, how are we bringing to bear the good news that God is the father to the fatherless. That is such good news. How are we bringing to bear the good news that God takes care of widows? That means those who don't have a husband. Maybe a husband died. Maybe a husband left. How are we taking care of widows and fatherless? How are we encouraging? It doesn't, it gives no qualifier that they should be the same faith. Did you see that? It doesn't say, hey, take care of the widows and fatherless if they're Christians. You know, if they're the same neighborhood as you. Right? The sojourner, the stranger. Who is the stranger or foreigner in your life? It could be somebody from a different country, somebody from a different faith. Think about it personally and in your neighborhood. Think about it for our church. Friends, I'm just going to give you the heads up. I'm just going to lay it out there. We'll be moving to a location in a few weeks by God's grace. And you need to know, this issue is very close to my heart personally, but you need to know that typically, a time or two a year, there will be a certain parade celebrating a certain lifestyle coming right by, right by our front porch. We have a huge opportunity and I think a biblical responsibility. I don't know what it looks like. I don't, I don't know how it looks, but this, I'm wrestling with this in my life because this affects my family. It affects uh, everything. I'm trying to figure out what it means to reflect God's goodness to a sojourner, somebody who is just traveling through life through different cultural mores, coming right past our front front porch. How can we reflect God's goodness that God is a loving father who owns heaven and on earth and has set his love to love his people and that there's 
what is that? I just don't even know what I'm saying right now, but I'm just trying to share my heart with you is we have opportunities as a church on our front porch that we can't walk away from. We, we just, we can't. There is uh, a couple homeless guys that have gotten to meet, a couple guys who have literally pitched tents on our front porch down there already, trying to think, how can we love and serve these guys? How can we bring the gospel to bear in their lives? We will have um, all kind of cultural and all kind of things coming our way as a church. So just, just throw that out there. So I'm going to wrap it up. It's a two-cup-of-coffee kind of day, so I'm sorry. Got a little worked up there. At the end of the day, what I want us to hear is this, is that in Christ we are renewed. We are new creations, right? And that just as the Lord shows his goodness to Israel, says, I am your God, I am your Lord, therefore you have this new identity. You need to fear, walk, love, serve, and keep commandments in order to reflect my goodness. Not fear, not pride, but be motivated by my goodness and reflect my goodness to the fatherless, to the widows, and to the sojourners. That's what I want us to take away. I could have just said that. We could have gone home. What does that look like for you in your life personally? I want us to assess that. Are you living as a renewed person? Are you living, are you living in obedience or are you living in rebellion? If you're living in obedience, are you living in obedience based on fear and pride or motivated by the goodness of God? Who are the fatherless widows and sojourners in your life? And are you serving them? And if you're serving them, are you serving them out of fear and pride or to reflect the goodness of God? A lot of us aren't even serving them, so that's not a free pass. It's, Lord, give us opportunities to love the fathers, fatherless, the widows, and the sojourners if they are ethnically different, religiously different, Sexual orientation different? Just how are, we, how are we loving? How are we reflecting the goodness of God? Friends, it could get really, really messy and really exciting, but at the end of the day, I trust that God could do something pretty amazing. So let's, let's get messy together. You want to? That's fine, man. Give me heat. Give me cold stares. Whatever. I love the Lord. I trust that He can do amazing things, and I think that is what He is getting at to Israel here. He didn't say, Israel, I set you free, walk in all my ways, and don't ever talk to a sojourner again. He says, no, (laughs) walk in all my ways, and as you do, reflect my goodness to the sojourners. So it is my hope and prayer that we we will figure that out, and that we will walk with grace toward each other and toward those around us. Um, And verse 13 says it's for our good, by the way. I just love it. All this is for your good, <laughs> for God's glory, for our good. Just, you know, if you serve somebody, it's for your good, too. That's, that's a little aside. Let me pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your goodness to your people throughout all generations. God, I thank you that you can do amazing things through broken people, myself included, that you can do amazing things through broken communities, uh, churches, families. And God, I pray that you would be at work in us and through us. God, that the gospel would ring true that in Christ we are now a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for your own possession, God, that we may proclaim the excellencies of you who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. So, Lord, I pray through Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would empower us to be motivated by your goodness, not fear, 
not pride. God, that you would empower us to walk in obedience as worshipers of you, lovers of you, servants of you, observing, keeping your commandments, and that in so doing we would be loving and serving the fatherless and the widows. God, that we would be serving the strangers, the sojourners in our midst. God, that we would be doing so not out of pride, not out of fear, but out of gospel motivation reflecting your goodness to the world around us. God, I pray you give us imagination and creativity of what that looks like. But Lord, I pray that also you would give us patience and discernment for the opportunities you were dropping on our front porch. And God, that we would do so in a way that really honors you. And scripture says it's for our good as well. So I pray that we would, we would understand that it's for your glory and our good and also for the good of those around us. Um, God, I pray that you would work in our hearts and minds. God, that we would not operate in fear, trying to do better and try harder in order to gain your acceptance and approval. Lord, that we would not do that out of pride, thinking that we can beef up our resume to top your grace. (laughs) But God, that you would humble us as recipients of your grace. God, that you would shake us to the core of who we are. And God, that we would see that you are such a patient, kind, loving, gracious Father who out of your mercy has set your love, your heart on your people for generations. And and God, that we could be the recipients of that. Lord, I pray that we would be good stewards of that good news uh, to those around us and and to each other even in this room. Um, God, we thank you in Christ's good and holy name. Amen.